Abba Yahweh again, you've graced me with breath, life, to be able to come and be a conduit still. Father God, thank you for the opportunity. The blessings that I receive from delivering your word and Father God, thank you for bringing people to me. They come to me either in need, they come to me and I appreciate the opportunity for learning, Father God, because you bring me aggressors. Well, you might be bringing them to teach me and Satan has got a hold of them and using them and you're hoping that I have. You're hoping to bring me in through this lesson with my eyes open and my ears open. Yes, Father, I know that you have hope in me as I have hope in you and believe in Jesus Christ, my only begotten Son. But Father, there's a great difference in that you've walked the day, you know my heart, and I am only touching the fringe of your love and goodness and kindness. Thank you for that, Father God. Thank you for that. Abba Yahweh Aman. Yeshua Aman. Parakletos Aman. Yes, brothers and sisters, I said that word. God has hope in me. Except the difference is that our hope, our faith, are in things that we cannot always see or that are not always tangible. And I'm pretty certain in my age that I remember sharing that with you before is that God will bring tangible because he sees in our circumstances that occasionally we need a tangible. And my perspective and my belief is that God has faith in each and every one of us, except for his faith is with, he doesn't need that as a, uh, as we do for that thing that's not seen and yet hope. But I believe that there is hope in God is that we will keep rising and reaching and learning, <coughs> pardon me, and keep holding on to that hope that we have in Jesus Christ and that golden cord. I've shared that with you before, the the uh, three strands, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And as divided as they are sometimes, <laughs> they are so readily intertwined. And um, it was, ah, I wish I could remember the phrasing. I think I do have it written down because I love this so well. It said, my, the pastor of my home church, the house of God, the house of worship, where I share fellowship with God and others. And there was a, uh, there was a phrase that he used. It comes from the Latin, I believe he said. It was a Latin word. Oh, goodness gracious, I, I don't want to trouble you and keep doing this, but I wrote it down and it has to do with the, um, it has to do with the three and it comes from a ballet phrase <coughs> because it is the, um, uh, I'm sorry, 
I'm sorry. I, I have it possibly in a different notebook. I, I have journals and notebooks and things that I have about, and I thought it was in this one. It's possibly more than likely in another one. Sorry about that. But it has to do with the separation of the three in an individual dance, but yet they intertwine and come together and act in a different part of this, as my pastor puts it, the, the story and the story. And it reminds me when he talks that way of a program that I saw when I was many years ago. I'm not even sure if it's still around. It's called The Never Ending Story. I thought it was great. And after watching the movie and in retrospect, and I think the Holy Spirit was tugging at me. Well, Holy Spirit's been with me and tugging at me for a long while. Things that I've done and gone through and been through and carried me through. And God's plan was greater than anything I can imagine. But in the never-ending story, long toward the end, and this young young boy's was drawn into this story that he was reading, this this book that he came across. He liked to read, and then he came across this book, and and he would just spend time alone at night reading the book. And I I have a flashback. I had this young lady that I was, she was my high school sweetheart, actually. <laughs> and uh, she shared J.R.R. Tolkien with me. And, of course, for many, you may know that he wrote The Lord of the Rings and wrote the trilogy. But what a lot of people don't realize is that he wrote prequels and stories and history. This man developed an entire history and a language, numerous languages. And (laughs) I was such a fan that I even got to the point that I was teaching myself the Elvish alphabet and learning how to write the runes. But he drew from other cultures. But anyway, back to the never-ending story. This never-ending story, the young boy has gone through it. And then for an inexplicable reason to the characters, their world started crumbling, coming apart. And then the little, the young woman who was the princess <laughs> was, sorry about that. Then the young woman who was uh, playing the part of the princess was explaining to him that the world was falling apart and that she would go away. And he didn't understand. And then she explained to him it was because nobody believed anymore. No one had faith anymore. And she was explaining to him that without faith, their world would crumble. Nobody believed. And then he was crying out loud and he, you know, all through the whole thing, because it was so fantastical and so real to him that he would have to slam the book and he'd he'd be startled because it was so relative to his life. (coughs) Pardon me. And... And then he cried out and he, he started saying he would believe. And then at the end, then then the story <coughs> unfolded with him riding on the... Uh... <coughs> I am sorry about that. Doggone. 
enemy doesn't want me talking to you. But the, the one of the characters in the book was a talking dragon, called a luck dragon. Didn't have wings, didn't look like an Asimino dragon. It looked like a great big fluffy puppy dog. But it had a long body and it, it could fly. No wings, but it could fly. And then all of a sudden the world started to come back together and <laughs> and he was going through the story again, but it was as if it was starting over. <coughs> Pardon me. Ah, very frustrating when I'm trying to share. And <laughs> I'm going to share this with you. This comes up for inexplicable reasons other than the enemy does not want me to share the word with you. And this is, and there are people that may believe this. And there's even Christians that don't believe this. That's what's sad is they don't believe in the subtlety of the enemy. And that's the detriment. And that's where they fall. And sometimes they fall in there and they're just wandering around in this limbo and they don't get it. But the point that I'm trying to make is that we are in a never-ending story. And without faith, Without our hope, without our belief in God Almighty, following the Lord and his teaching and his word, and we either allow our faith to weaken to a point that it absolutely diminishes, and then you have the apostasy, the walking away, which is... In in the Bible, Jesus talks about that as the falling away, the great falling away. Prophets talk about it coming. Jesus talks about it coming. So um, for those of you that are not buying that, and, and <laughs> it's, um, uh, for me, it's almost unfathomable that there are those that don't or that will declare things that are spoken of in the Bible directly and yet they oh that's just that's just nonsense that's just nonsense uh so you're telling me that god speaker of truth knowledge and wisdom and author and finisher of all things are not speaking truth and wisdom and life uh, I have problems with those individuals, but I lay that to the Lord because I can't do anything except speak the truth. <coughs> His truth and knowledge and wisdom is what he shares with me. And I want to be that faithful follower of Christ Jesus, this is what exactly what I wrote down after hearing that sermon of Christ Jesus. In his truth, in his knowledge, in his wisdom. And we try to do this all on our own so many times, which is absolutely what gets folks in trouble. But they don't want to believe the word of God in many instances. And I've heard these words come right out of the mouths of those claiming to be Christians. They claim the title, and yet 
many I see spend so much time running around on their own doing their thing and that they're too busy to be able to do anything for or with others And they always seem to have an excuse. Oh, I've got this going. I've got that going. I got to do this. I got to do that. What they're not even realizing is the subtlety of the enemy. And this is, here's the thing that some people are going to misconstrue. Too bad, so sad. Listen with spiritual hearing and not with your human ears and things will develop much better. You must have respect for Satan, in the fact that, yes, he is the enemy, but if you don't respect his subtlety and you tend to ignore it or scoff at things about him that Jesus Christ himself told us about, Paul wrote about, Peter wrote about, John wrote about, John the Baptist spoke of it, and these are in the word of God, his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom, and you scoff at that, then you're scoffing in the face of God Almighty. Yes, you are. If you scoff at the fact that you do not have respect for the enemy, then you are going to fall into that chasm, chasm, abyss of shadow, and you're going to waller in that place because you don't have respect to understand that that enemy is a great tactician. Oh, yes, he is. He knows subtle ways to come in. That's what's exactly poisoning your mind is the subtlety of the attack from the enemy. The white noise interference that affects all of us all the time. That's why you must be and why there are those who say, oh, we're not in a battle. We'll just, you know, battle's never ours. God's got this. They're, they're you know, and, and they spend time, <clears throat> they might say some cutesy little buttery things and flowers and butterflies and all that stuff. And, you know, yeah, words of hope are good, except the only issue is that I have is that they're not speaking total truth. They're only speaking partial. And they're only speaking what they perceive as what people want to hear. Yeah, it's great to be nice and uplifting and all that. And I believe that I do. I need to practice being more kind, caring, compassionate because the world is a hard place to be. And in many places that I must go as part of my job, it's a, it's tough place. I go in one of my regular routings two days ago, they found a dead body in the ditch down just below one of these places where I dropped passengers off all the time. Every Wednesday and Thursday, I go by there. And this situation occurred on one of my days off. In a totally different routing, in another area that I travel quite frequently, but is pretty typical around there, they found that somebody had been shot, another dead body. This darkness is reality. 
This darkness is real. The attacks on the enemy are real. The attacks on our children are real. <clears throat> they're saying, oh, that's a government. That's a... What, do you think that they're not working for somebody just like I work for my Lord God Almighty? I am about my father's business. Do you not think that they're about their father's business? And who's their father? Their father is just like Jesus told the Pharisees. You wouldn't know the truth. And as an old adage, an old country adage, you wouldn't know the truth if it came up and bit you. And it's a good thing it's not a poisonous snake because you'd be dead right now. <clears throat> that was some old time phrasing there, but it's a case in point. There are issues that happen and there are individuals that are being drawn in by this white noise interference. And the sad part of that commentary is that they prefer fluttering around. Ah, the Holy Spirit just gave me a beautiful illustration to share. <clears throat> fluttering around like the light bulb or a flame. Moths are drawn to this sort of thing. They're drawn to the light because they seek the heat. Oh, but the heat that you draw from the enemy and the minions that are drawing you in with the white noise interference and you stay fluttering around that, you're going to get burnt by the flame and the heat is going to cause you to perish. If you stay in there and you don't get out and you don't seek from the greatest insurance policy that anyone can have, faith in God, following the Lord and listening to the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Goodness gracious. But there's the thing is that that is our insurance policy. And the only thing that it costs is that we end our previous walk, believe in Jesus Christ and have faith in God and lean in and listen because as I've shared before, God does not speak with a loud thunderous voice as described by John on the island of Patmos. He describes seeing God and that when he spoke, and of course seeing God in all his glory and his might and his majesty there, and in that vision, hearing God, he was had a voice of many thunders. Wow. And you know, I think about that. My, my mind flashes when I'm out in a thunderstorm and I like the thunderstorm. <laughs> I'm drawn to some of the worst weather there possibly could be. And yet, in the midst of all that is the Lord God Almighty. But people... <laughs> They seek to blame someone for something. This is so typical of how we are. They want to blame God for the destruction and, and death and, and these things, for all these things to happen, except for they're failing to realize that in the Bible it talks about these things and the calamity. And, that, you know, God made everything perfect. And... 
he walked in the garden. In the cool of the evening, he would walk in the garden and speak, talk, share with Adam and Eve before the enemy came in. And in the book of Genesis, in the fall, is such a verbal illustration <coughs> of the subtlety of the enemy. His wiles and his speaking and sometimes speaks so softly. You cannot ever forget the enemy needs respect because he is a formidable enemy. And if you don't respect your enemy, you will surely succumb. Yeah, do I sound like I'm talking as if I was still in the look talking, speaking as if I was still in the military? That's what we used to have pushed at us all the time. You must respect your enemy because if you don't, you will let down your guard. You will avail yourself to the attack and then you will fail because you did not respect your enemy. Why do you think that um, many successful leaders and generals were successful? George Patton, kind of an arrogant guy and got himself in a lot of trouble, expecting except that he was always speaking his mind, and he studied books that were written by his enemy. He studied their works. He studied their, their, and he found flaws in what they were doing. And he was able to win many days. And the reality is that many died, but on the flip side, many were saved. Many generals function that same way. They would study their enemy. Why do you think opponents that are in, and there are many that, that have not engaged, or, and so they don't necessarily have an appreciation for the mixed martial arts or any martial arts, but they watch films of their opponents in their previous to find weaknesses, to find chinks in their armor so that when they have to face them, which they know that they will eventually do, they know how to defend and then ultimately attack. The greatest football, I don't even know if they still do it anymore. I don't even pay attention to them because they've all become a bunch of arrogant individuals, but I don't ever pay attention to uh, many pro sports anymore because to me, they're not professionals. They declare themselves to be heroes and completely forget the real heroes that are alive and around in this country. So you see, for me, real heroes don't wear spandex with their names above numbers and say that, oh, the hero of the game, he saved the game. She saved the game. They saved the game. And then they go around thumping and bumping and they become very arrogant in their lifestyle. Not all, because there are many, but you, you pay attention to what goes on out there. The ones that declare their faith in God and their belief, they're ostracized, they're outed, they're, you know, like something terrible that they're doing. Case in point, the American women's soccer team. Oh my gosh, that was deplorable. But you see what happens as David wrote in the book of Psalms. And these 
young women of faith stood up boldly, righteously. They didn't compromise. They stood boldly and spoke the truth. They weren't at enmity with the others that were outwardly, verbally aggressive and denying anything to them. And then the the most arrogant of all, (laughs) and I kind of chuckled to that, but it just, it reminds me of things that happen in the word ultimately just denied, wrote her own part of history and became not such a great legacy. And the reality of it is it wasn't exactly the best anyway. There were others that are much better, but declared herself to be in charge and herself to be the one to call the shots and yet ultimately wound up with a big goose egg. And when she cracked it open, there was nothing inside. It was just air. It's unfortunate, but here's the thing too that we have to remember. In all of that, we still must pray for them. We still must pray for them because there is the hope and the faith that we have to hold on to because it's told us in the word of God that there is a real chance that they could repent An opportunity for that to happen comes from those of us who are truly about our Father's business. Don't succumb to the white noise. Don't succumb to that. But here's the issue, that there are so many that are and so many that have. And as I say, this apostasy that is foretold in the Bible is because there are so many that are just flitting around the flame. And they walk away. I, it saddened me that one of my, uh, one of my uh, study guides and one of my men that I listen to, who I believe and have tried the spirit, and I've heard, I've heard people talk against this man. But the thing of it is, is that I believe my perception is that he has been given what he has because God made it so. He doesn't flaunt around jewelry. He doesn't flaunt around the fancy suit that I have seen with my own eyes. I was in a church where that happened and this. I shared with you, the Holy Spirit (laughs) came up when all that ridiculous adventure started in the foyer of God's house for Pete's sake. And the Holy Spirit just leaned into me and said, do you hear me now? Yes, I do. Time ago. But I share that portion because there was flash, there was jewelry, there were fancy cufflinks and fancy suits that, and let me tell you this, I, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I was into that sort of thing, the suits and all this thing. uh, So I know the valuation of something like that when you see, and a shark skin suit is not, you can have one that is not so expensive, but they're still expensive for most people and many cannot even afford one. But the tailoring and the things that were made, each each of the suits that each one of these individuals were wearing was, was literally thousands of dollars per suit. That's silliness when there are so many people that, that need things. That is the difference. This man that that I follow and I've tried his spirit and his spirit is out of truth. 
For you see, brothers and sisters, when the Holy Spirit speaks to me and God speaks to me, I believe what they say. So when they say, this is a good man, he speaks truth. Oh, you think I pay attention? Absolutely, I do. But this man speaks these things and he shared something that was very sad that one of his colleagues, actually, who had been in the formal ministry for, what do you say, 12, 14 years? Can't remember the exact number, but a long time, okay? So went through the education process, which it takes, and I respect that in, in individuals. So when I sound like I'm a detractor of uh, theologians, that's not entirely true. Don't twist words, which people do about God's word all the time. Don't twist what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I don't respect those that have become arrogant and practice Phariseeism through theology of the word, declaring that they know more than everyone else and they know better than everyone else because they're a theologian and they want to flaunt this little piece of paper in people's face rather than just speaking the truth and doing the job and having that knowledge which came from God anyway. So this other man was involved in ministry 12, 14 years, a long time, and then just made a declaration and just, the saddest part of it is that he did this to his congregation. How pathetic is that? I'm sorry, but that is absolutely pathetic. But they declared that he just closed his Bible and just declared to the congregation, I can't do this anymore. And walked away and left. He walked away from the ministry. And brothers and sisters, I share this with you, and those that are not hearing what I'm saying or that are just listening to the words, got to pay attention here. And I've shared this before, is that the walk with God and being about God's business is not an easy walk to take. If we look at it and try to understand and realize through our own understanding, which is finite, and you don't understand. This is why you succumb to the white noise because you're not paying attention. You're not having spiritual sight and spiritual hearing or you plugged it up and allowed the interference to come in. This man <coughs> allowed that to happen. But the, the saddest part, it's sad that he did that. But the saddest part for me and my perception is that he did this to his congregation there are times when uh, I was going to a church and I loved the church because the man was, he was very earthy and that he was not throwing around suits and ties and flaunting all this and that. And, but he was, he was a humble guy. <clears throat> he was very spiritually gifted in his speech. He was very powerful in his speech. And uh, <clears throat> and I noticed that after a particular sermon that he was teaching, those who felt themselves to be in control were having a problem. And I learned this after his quote-unquote sabbatical that he was on. And that was interesting because he had just come back from one with his wife and his family, which pastors would do now and again. And he came back and was speaking, but the the 
the preaching was very powerful and poignant in that he was, I believe, that the controllers are those who felt that they should be in control and not the pastor, is that he wasn't behind the pulpit anymore. Hmm. And this happens to be the same church that I walked into and, and tried the spirit and the spirit of the Lord picked me up and said, it's time to go. It's time to go. And this was, this was telling me, the Holy Spirit was telling me that I was being shown the truth that now it was a place that I didn't belong, whereas before I would stay and it was enjoyable and, and, and it was a powerful word. But the Holy Spirit said, no, no, no. So I left, left, left. You have to lean in and listen sometimes. And as I was sharing and speaking, I was uh, flipping through the notes And I'm pretty sure I found this. It's um, perichoresis. And this is speaking to the intertwining, I believe what this is, I, I need to actually get in the Latin and, and see it. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> oh, that snuck up on me. Forgive me for that. But this is the intertwining that takes place in a performance intertwining and how about this for the mystery of God is that the word became flesh that was with God from the beginning became flesh manifested as a human and here's here's where many people get really jacked up and confused and they they will argue these points and they still have this vision that Jesus becoming flesh, having stepped off his throne in heaven and came to this world and became a man, a man. If he wasn't just the son of God and if it wasn't just holy <clears throat> or he was just holy, you think that they would have been able to crucify him? Do you think that he would have bled the way he did? Do you think that that would have even come to point? That didn't happen. It didn't happen because he came to take all of our sins. He redeemed us with our faith in God, through our faith in God, through him. What is redeem or redemption? It's like I shared with you talking about Ruth and Boaz. The redemption factor is that debts are all paid. You owe nothing. You have to walk with that faith. You have to hold your head up because Jesus Christ took our indebtedness upon himself. This is why when Jesus cried out from the cross, 
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And there are many that don't understand that. Let me enlighten some of you that may already know this and those that may not. <clears throat> you see, I assume everything and I assume nothing. And you think that that's kind of odd, but it's true. I assume that there are many out there that understand a lot of things I speak about. And I assume that many, if not more, may not. So forgiveness in that I'm not exactly call, um, the terminology I have to be cautious with, but I'll say it anyway because I always speak the truth and it doesn't matter if you're offended, then that's because that's what you're looking for. Um, I tread lightly because I don't want people to be offended by the term dumbing down. And there's nothing wrong with that. Understand that, first of all. Don't look to be offended by some of that because <clears throat> a lot of times that's a perception that people are looking for. I share with you, and I have shared with you, the professorial discussions that I've had with physicists, one who actually befriended me and liked it because I could keep up and understood terms and things that he was talking about relative to science that he loved and I was fascinated by as a young person. Still am fascinated by science, but sadly they use it against many. But his colleagues thought that they had to dumb down because I was not at their intellectual prowess level. And so they were, they would say something and then they would dumb down, dumb me down and try or dumb it down and try to explain it to me because I didn't understand. And he just said, hey, hey, he knows what you're talking about. He understands. He doesn't need you to take it down. He is at an intellectual level that you have no understanding. And well, so they kept talking and, you know, then they, then they would look at me as if I was, I said, it's okay, I'm keeping up. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then, of course, the look of surprise. So then he and I would start interchanging as an example to them that I was able to understand what they were saying. And it was truth. It was not a lie. So I say that to say this. That is because I assume everything and assume nothing. And if you understand what I'm saying, that's fine. But there are many out there that don't. And so if you think I'm dumbing it down and you're offended by that, then get over yourself and just understand that there are many people that do not. And I want to make sure that the word of God comes across in clarity. Okay? That, that's all that's about is just clarity so that everyone can have the opportunity. Jesus did that very same thing. He wasn't dumbing down anything. He would just explain things. Just like the woman, okay, here we go as a biblical example, perfect example. The woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. And here's the interesting thing that, that is, fascinates me so much between the Jews and so many other people is that uh, many have, not all have, because there are many Christian Jews, but many still believe that they are the chosen people. And, and honestly, they were chosen for God for a reason of what his reason is. I don't know. I'm not trying to figure it out. And there are many on this planet and still there are Christians that try to figure out the higher thoughts that God has and try to figure out and try to reason logically with a finite mind. But here's the thing. 
is that others are not worthy. And Jesus Christ didn't do that. The woman at the well was a Samaritan. She was related. Jacob dug the well that was their well, the well that Jesus was sitting at when she arrived and he asked for water is a well that Jacob dug. Jacob dug the well. Is the name Jacob familiar? The name should be familiar because I'm not mistaken that God actually renamed him. Did he not? Did not Jesus rename Jacob? Biblical history says that he did. So those who were directly a neighbor, and you can actually see from the hills that the Samaritans walked on, but they couldn't go to the temple and worship in Jerusalem. Why? Because they were Samaritan. They fell and they turned to other things and they allowed that contamination that was very, according to the old law. But when Jesus met her at Jacob's well that they all used to drink from and then because it was in what was delineated by Mammon as being Samaria, Jews didn't go there anymore. They would skirt the whole area. They would walk sometimes a day out of their way in order to get around it. But as Jesus explained to her, the reason that he came is so that you can worship God in spirit because God is spirit, God is truth. And she was rather dumbfounded. She said, and she asked her, she said, I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't have to go to Jerusalem to worship anymore because we're not allowed. And Jesus said, come to God through me, believe and have faith and you worship God in spirit because spirit is truth when you share the truth. And Jesus was explaining this to her that she didn't have to go there anymore, that you could worship God anywhere, and which is true. But he also says it's important because God made us as a gathering people. I've shared that with you in Hebrews 10. And I keep coming back to this because you have Mammon who has decided that the denominations are of import. And God says the character of the heart is what's import. So Mammon, listening to the subtle poisons of the enemy and not respecting the enemy and declaring themselves to be so authoritative on the enemy because after all, they're theologians and they know better except they don't, and they don't listen. Again, I share this with you as I had before. I have no earthly theological degree, and I have declared openly, and the Holy Spirit tells me that I don't need it because the authority that I share in truth is in, comes from the Spirit, and the things that God allows me to share is from his truth, knowledge, and wisdom. And this is why I've shared with you also that there are some things that I will share that he does not allow, or rather I should say attempt to share, and he does not allow because it is not his truth, knowledge, and wisdom. It has became more of a platform for mine, not allowed. 
But God shared with her, or Jesus, yes, one and the same, shared with her that it would not be necessary to have to go to Jerusalem to worship because God is spirit and you worship God in truth. But here's the other thing too, is that God has declared that we are a gathering people. He made us that way. He made us so that we will be family, that we can one day in faith and belief, and now we can exhibit that and show that, and many churches try to do that, which is why I like, I love my church, because the preaching of one table is exactly what Paul writes about in his letters, Jesus talked about and teaches now through the word. We are needing to be of one mind, one heart, one direction, one faith. The denominations are mammalian titles that have been given by man. God does not care. God is a respecter of no man or woman. Doesn't care what your denomination is. He doesn't care what you have, what you don't have, what you look like, what you smell like, how you dress. He doesn't care. What he cares about is the character of your heart, period. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. So you have those that like to be in control like at that one church, just those that thought that they were in control and basically ousted that pastor. We don't have need for you anymore. Be on your way. We're in charge. You just thought you were because you were the pastor. Well, this is why (laughs) it's, it's funny to me is that in politics, everybody thinks that the president is the guy. Well, guess what? Yeah, he can do certain things, and he's in charge of things. When he points in a direction, you need to go there. But here's the deal. Figuratively, that's what he is. He still has to go through many things. And if Congress is not in line with thought process, they will blockade. They will do everything possible and manageable that they can to deter any of his actions or declarations. They will work hard at it. And if they find someone that they can manipulate... They will do so. And they would much rather have that person in. But here's the point, brothers and sisters. We have to be of a like mind and like body, which in politics doesn't ever happen. Keep in mind also that God does not take sides. God is a respecter of no man or woman. What he cares about is a character of the heart. So choosing a side, just like when Joshua was on his way into the Valley of Jericho and he met a man who stood opposing him with his sword drawn. And he approached and he said, are you for us or for our adversary? Simple response, nay, which means no. And then the revelation that Joshua was standing before the captain of the host of heaven, Lord Jesus Christ. And he fell down on the ground and he was told, to remove the shoes from your feet because the ground on which you stand is holy. And if you go through the Bible, you will see when angels manifested themselves and the individuals fell down to worship the angel. What did the angel tell them? Oh, you don't bow down to worship me for that is for God only. That is only for your Lord Hashem, 
which is the old word for Lord God Almighty, which means the one God, said, you don't worship me, you worship God only. And they actually told people not to bow to them. But this individual who was opposing Joshua said, remove your shoes from on your feet for you are on holy ground. So, brothers and sisters, we have to do this. We have to keep our mind in tune, in focus to one another. God does not take a side. He only cares about the character of the heart. My father, my earthly father of the same mind, he didn't care what part. He never voted a party line, never chose sides in a party. He voted for the man or woman, but in those days, women weren't running for presidency. He chose them for their ability, their knowledge, and caring for the people. My father just voted for who would be best for the job. But unfortunately now, because of mammalian directives and issues and things, it's all become a party line. This thing that went from the previous administration to this one now is all about a party line. Nobody looks at history. Nobody pays attention to anything. And now what are they doing? They're trying to destroy history. They're trying to take from in God we trust. Do you think that we are being like-minded now? It's breaking God's heart to see how this country has fallen from in God we trust, which are trying to remove from our currency to the derisiveness, derision, and things that are going on now. And a great leader and a man of God, Martin Luther King Jr., everything that he and Rosa Parks and the others stood for and tried to have in, integral. And one of, his, one, of his, one of his scriptures that he shared was actually this one. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, I take it minimally here, take it down. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and a good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We must be like-minded. We must encourage one another. We must pray for one another. It's what we're called to do. The Word of God tells us to do that very thing. But yet there are so many people that want to make a racial issue out of things, and it's, it's very sad. They want to make everything about race and color. God doesn't care. God decided the tonation of the skin. We decide the character of the heart. That's it in a nutshell. We decide the character of the heart, and that's truth. And one of the problems that we have is, is that we don't, many we don't even realize the love that Jesus has for us or that he shares with us or has given to us. We just let that go. And it does, it goes away because we're not paying attention. We're not caring. We're not loving. It doesn't matter to us because we're not paying any attention to it. That's kind of a pathetic issue that we have chosen to ignore that very thing that we're told to do. We have chosen to ignore it, just like many do. You choose to ignore 
the truth, knowledge, and wisdom that was given of Jesus Christ, Paul, and Peter when they talk about Satan. You choose to ignore that, and you choose to go your own way and believe your own thoughts about the enemy. There is no respect for the enemy, and so fall prey to the white noise more readily. So, brothers and sisters, we have to realize that there is love that we need to be sharing. And in that, it's for who we are and not what we do. God loves us, and we must love others because of that love that God had for us. How much did he love us? Remember, here we go. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And what are we told? Jesus Christ said this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the, the second commandment. The first commandment is love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like unto the verse, love your neighbor as yourself. People can't do that. But that love, we have to be able to discern things and the Holy Spirit will help us to do that. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed day. I pray for you on my going out, on my coming in. I will remind you that. I will remind you of that as many times as is necessary. And that may never not be necessary. Because it's a truth. Going out and coming in, I pray for you when I, before I go to sleep. In the, in the night when I'm talking to God. And in the morning when I get up and before I start my day. And then through the course of the day. By his directive. By his word, I am about my father's business. Have a good day.